We're back again. Yeah, another week. Vanished in the Valley. You guys ready for this shit? All right. I'm Athena. I am your host, as per usual. And before we get started today, I just want to let everyone know it's kind of a controversial case. We're going to be talking about the 1980s McMartin preschool abuse scandal. And before we get started, I just want to head off any of these little Karens right now. Head you little bitches off of the pass. Don't even bother coming to my page to tell me about how it's just a, it's a scam. It's a lie. It was satanic panic. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. Go, go away. Uh, last week I had uh, this girl, she comes to my page because I had posted a picture of this fucking like Swedish music guy, Abbasili. Chester Benning, Anthony Bourdain, and Chris Cornell. And it says, all of them committed suicide while working on a documentary called The Silent Children. And that movie's about widespread pedophilia and trafficking. So, <laughs> this fucking girl comes to my page and just like starts going off in the comments saying, that was a lie, you don't have any proof, why are you posting conspiracies? And it was like a fucking 30 comment thing. And I'm like, it's not a lie. I wouldn't have posted if it was a lie. And she starts in with like what all the other Karens say. What's your sources? And I'm like, bitch, go find your own sources. I don't need to give you sources. I don't need to do your work because you're coming to my page to bitch about stuff. Well, Miss Melidal, I love how you blocked me. I didn't even come to your page. You came to my page. Talk shit. But yeah, did you find your sources? I hope you did. But any other girls that want to come to my page... Like I keep telling you, just stop, put the mommy line down, stop getting all angry and ornery, and go like change a diaper or something, because I don't want to fucking hear it. But anyways, let's get started with the episode. <laughs> so today, like I said a little bit earlier, we're going to be covering the McMartin School and trials and all the craziness that started after these accusations came up. It was in 1983 the accusations were made that resulted in over 300 charges of sexual abuse of children. It took three years to investigate and the subsequent trials started in 1987 and went to 1990. I just have to apologize. My voice is still all super scratchy from when I lost it a few weeks ago. So hopefully it'll come back soon. But anyways, in 1990 all the charges were dropped and not one conviction was had in the case. The McMartin preschool trial was basically one of the cases that started what we think of today as the satanic panic, which is super catchy, I know, right? Um, and just in case you're wondering, the whole name satanic panic came from a 1998 book called that satanic panic. And basically the fucking super smart intelligent media latched onto that shit like a rabid honey badger and just ran with it and to this day we think of that time period like the 80s and 90s and all of those cases of child sex abuse as the satanic panic so like the franklin case like the belgian monster case mark jutreau the media just basically turned on all these victims of child sex abuse and just thrashed them and their parents in the papers as well as the evening news. 
And it's like, why did they ever think that was okay to thrash victims of sex abuse? Because uh, that's basically what the McMartin school kids were. They were all victims of sex abuse. How do hundreds of kids that don't even know each other come up with the same stories and the same directions of these tunnels? And I haven't even gotten to the tunnels yet. Like, that's some whole next level scary shit that we'll get to in a minute. If the media had bothered to look at the medical reports of some of these victims, they'd have seen the doctors had found scars, tears, enlarged body openings, and other evidence indicating blood force trauma consistent with repeated sodomy and rape, just as the child victims had described. If the media had bothered to look into a poll taken by the jurors on the case, they'd have found that the majority actually believed the children had been victims of molestation and sexual abuse, but the jurors felt the prosecutors had not met the legal requirements to convict in the case. So, just remember though, all of the people accused in the McMartin trial, they were not found innocent. Rather, they were found not guilty. But let's go back to the start of this whole madness, to the start of the accusations, because it all began with a lady named Judy Johnson. In 1983, 39-year-old mother, Judy Johnson, went to the police and claimed that her two-year-old son complained about painful bowel movements, after which she found blood in his diaper. Johnson allegedly said her son told her that Ray Buckley, who was the grandson of Virginia McMartin, uh, he was also a teacher there working under his mother because his mom had actually taken over for Virginia at this time. So Judy Johnson contacts the police and kind of just comes out with all these allegations. She says Buckley dressed her son in women's clothes. She said that he was anally raped and that he was just basically severely abused by this man. And it's these allegations that kind of kick off the whole thing. After this woman comes forward, the police department there receives 500 reports, okay, 500 reports in a town of 35,000 people. Just so you know, as this whole investigation goes on, Judy gets thrashed in the newspaper. To this day, she's referred to as an alcoholic schizophrenic. And she was never diagnosed as schizophrenic. She was never diagnosed with any of those mental diseases. All of that actually came from one of the prosecutors that had been fired on the case and went over to the defense's team. So this poor woman, you know, her son has been abused. She's fucking completely upset about that. And back in those days, they didn't have Prozac. They didn't have Xanax. They basically, if you were all mentally, you know, upset and stressed out, you turned to alcohol. And that's what this woman did. So let me just tell you the background on this. You can't even like start to tell anything about what happened to Judy without knowing about Glenn Stevens. He's one of the state's prosecutors assigned to the case that I was talking about earlier. He was asked to resign or be fired and he handed in his paperwork and immediately went over to the uh, opposition. He 
would make jokes about Judy. He would go to the media and just say horrible things about her. He ends up, ends up getting investigated because he accepts uh, all these presents from HBO's Abby Mann. You can't really believe a lot what this guy says. He seems like a scumbag. Like, who goes to the media and makes fun of the mental state of a mother who's dealing with a child who's been sexually assaulted, sexually abused, ritually abused? So that's just the kind of guy we're dealing with here. And it seems like from the start, in the little affluent area that she was from, uh, Manhattan Beach, California, it seems like she was always kind of an outsider there with the parents group. She was one of the few divorced women at the time, and God forbid a woman get divorced. You know, there must be something wrong with her if that happens. And I don't know, I think they just kind of considered her eccentric, and she was kind of on the fringe of their little mommy group. And if their mommy group is anything like the mommies that come after me on my uh, Instagram, damn girl, I'm sorry. I can understand Judy 100%. Her ex-husband was also kind of like attacking her at the time. She had an older child that had a brain tumor and she was trying to keep him home from school so he could be homeschooled. I guess the husband just repeatedly kept taking her to court trying to get custody. And, you know, she didn't have a lot of money. She's a single mother trying to take care of two kids. And it just sounds like the pressure was mounting up for Judy. So she she gets these accusations. She goes to the police. And the Manhattan Beach police actually, like, release a letter. The letter basically states, Dear parents, the department is conducting a, a criminal investigation involving child molestation. Ray Buckley, an employee of Virginia McMahon's preschool, was arrested September 7th, 1983 by this department. The following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one, but to protect the rights of your child as well as the rights of the accused, this inquiry is necessary for complete investigation. Records indicate that your child has been or is currently a student at the preschool. We are asking for your assistance in this continuing investigation. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime if he or she has been a victim. Our investigation indicates that possible criminal acts include oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttocks or chest area, and sodomy, possibly committed under the pretense of taking the child's temperature. Also, Photos may have been taken of the children without their clothing. Any information from your child regarding having ever observed Ray Buckley to leave a classroom alone with a child during a nap period, or if they ever observed Ray Buckley tie up a child, is important. Please complete the enclosed information form and return it to this department in the enclosed stamped return envelope as soon as possible. We will contact you if circumstances dictate same. We ask that you please keep this investigation strictly confidential because of the nature of the charges and the highly emotional effect it could have on our community. Please do not discuss this investigation with anyone outside your immediate family. Do not contact or discuss the investigation with Raymond Buckley or any member of the accused defendant's family or employees connected with the McMartin Preschool. And this part is all in caps, so he's fucking yelling this part. There is no evidence to indicate that the management of Virginia McMartin's preschool had 
any knowledge of the situation, and no detrimental information concerning the operation of the school has been discovered during this investigation. Also, no other employee in this school is under investigation for any criminal act. Your prompt attention to this matter and reply no later than September 16, 1983 will be appreciated. And it's signed Harry Kuhlmeyer Jr., Chief of Police. So it's kind of like, what the fuck? You're going to send a letter like this with those kind of accusations and just expect, what? What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, just imagine if you're sitting at home one day around dinner and you're checking the mail and you got this kind of a letter in the mail with no kind of warning, no kind of context, and it's from the police department about something that could have either, you know, happened to your child or something your child witnessed. Uh, I just, I can't even imagine what these parents thought at the time. I mean, I, I watched an interview with one of the parents that had had their child there. They were John and Mary Siofi. I think I'm saying that right. It's C-I-O-F-F-I. And Mary's like, she had never even heard of child abuse, let alone sexual abuse. And she says if you would have asked her what it was, she would have had no answer. She had no frame of reference. So it just, it wasn't something that parents like truly thought of, I guess, back then. Oh, what a fucking innocent time. Jeez. But uh, keep in mind, John and Mary, they're going to come back into play in this whole little story because um, what they have to say is really important. And I got their information from a, I think it was like Oxygen Channel. There was like some show on the Satanic Panic. And I got a lot of the other information from this from an interview done with Jackie Magali. And it's like a guy who did a blog, Rigorous Institution. He he did a really cool interview with her. It's just like, fuck, man. I guess maybe it's like looking back that whole fucking, what is that thing? 2020 vision, some shit like that. You know what I'm talking about. Basically, with all the evidence on the table, it's so reminding me of the Franklin scandal the way that these people were just made to feel like idiots and my heart breaks for these victims because nobody was ever held accountable for this one either. But yeah. So another rant there. Let me get back to the story here. So like I said, the police sent that letter out and after they send the letter out, that's when, you know, over the ensuing days, over 500 complaints come in and the police get the help of it's called the CIII and that stood for the Children's Institute International. What they are is a child abuse prevention center and a woman named Key McFarland was asked to you know have her team question all these hundreds of children that were now coming forward with these accusations of abuse. Because I think because at the time there people didn't have a lot of experience with this even the quote-unquote professionals they weren't sure how to bring about questioning these kids. So if you look at some of these interviews, the woman, Kay, she's using these puppets that, fuck, dude, if I was a kid, they'd scare the shit out of me. But she's using these puppets to get the kids to talk about the experiences. And a lot of people looking at these interviews now, like looking back, say she she's asking leading questions and just kind of like implanting ideas in the children's mind. Which she may have done. I'm not disagreeing with that. What I am disagreeing with is 
how did all of these kids that like didn't know each other, how did they come up with the same story to begin with, with these parents? Like they all had to come up with an, a story before even getting to Key McFarland. So the parent I was talking about earlier, Junie McGully, uh, she actually credits Kay McFarland and Dr. Astrid Hager for opening the floodgates. She says she began to tell me and show me incredible things. She was terrified. I credit key sensitivity and Dr. Hager's expertise to unlock the secrets my daughter had been keeping. So let me get to the beginning of how Judy McGully even found out about her daughter's abuse. She says there were signs, but she didn't know what they meant. She said she asked other parents if their children were having the same problems. They were just assuming that it was normal. I mean, who in that time is going to imagine that a school and teachers were going to be taking child pornography pictures, sexually abusing in a ritualized way, a bunch of kids over a whole bunch, of, you know, a bunch of years. So they just, they weren't even expecting it. Some of the kids were talking about airplane trips, and one boy remarked that the feeling he got in his stomach as an elevator descended was just like the feeling he got in the airplane. They asked the teachers about the signs, and they were always had answers for them. They would say things like, oh, well, we played an airplane game. Judy's daughter was quote-unquote only at the preschool from 1983 until it closed its doors in 1984. So... She had several severe diaper rashes, and she wouldn't tell her about her time at the school. She would just say, kids, kids were causing the diaper rash. And she said she first heard, heard about the investigation from Peggy Buckley herself. She was letting parents in one at a time to look at a closet. And this closet was like repeatedly mentioned in the things they would tell the investigators about their abuse. When... Judy asked what was going on. Peggy basically told her it didn't concern her. And it turned out that only the parents of the children that complained of being locked in this closet were allowed in. The closet was like this freestanding one that had shelves in it. We had pictures of one in this in the scientific archaeological report of the successful search for tunnels. And I'll get into the tunnels in a while, so don't even worry about that. So later, the teacher, Peggy, told her that her son, Ray, was accused of molesting a child and that it was ridiculous because he couldn't hurt a fly. And when Judy tried to ask the other parents, they wouldn't tell her anything. And she later found out that the parents thought that she might be involved because she didn't know about the police investigation at the time. So both Peggy and Virginia spent a lot of time with Judy and confided in her that they were being victims of a vendetta and they may have to close the school down. She had no idea that in August 1983, a full police investigation was underway, much less what it was about. Bebette Spittler and the others begged Judy to keep her daughter in the preschool and Spittler actually became the new director after that. So the school ends up closing, quote unquote, voluntarily, 18 months after her daughter had started going there, and she went two days a week for four hours each time. So Ray, Peggy, and Betty appeared on the evening news in February 1984, and Judy asks her daughter if she knows the man on TV, and she's like, yeah, that's Mr. Ray, and she was stunned. So at that point, she calls the Manhattan Police Department, 
and that's when she got referred to the Children's Institute International, CII. But of course, she couldn't get an appointment until the end of March. Like I was saying earlier, that's when she meets with Key McFarland and Dr. Astrid Hager, and all of this information just comes spilling out from her daughter. So, and there's more stories like this. I mean, guys, there's hundreds of kids that were involved in this. I just, I don't think it's possible for the, all these kids that don't even know each other to come up with these stories pre-interview with Key McFarland and her team. The media went to crazy lengths to discredit the victims. Certain documents were leaked to the media. Some of the kids, like, you know, these are young-ass kids. They, you know, range in age from two years old up to 35 years old. Let me just tell you some of the accusations. Media outlets reported an array of startlingly strange allegations attributed to the children. The stranger the allegations, the more the media harped on those ones. And let me just tell you a few. And let me just tell they're fucking weird. I'm, I'll give you all that 100%. But keep in mind, these are kids that are trying to explain something they have no frame of reference to even explain. So Ray Bucky flew in the classroom, took one child to meet a goat man, and took another child to a house where he let lions roam free. Animal sacrifices were committed involving a horse, rabbits, and other classroom pets, like turtles. A series of tunnels under the school were connected to secret chambers for sex rituals and other abuse. Teachers and students visited a cemetery to dig up bodies. Teachers took children to orgies at a car wash and an airport. Children were quote-unquote flushed down toilets to sewer rooms for abuse. Children were transported to off-site abuse locations via hot air balloon. One child identified Hollywood actor Chuck Norris from a photograph, claiming he had been present for some of the abuse. So, like I said, the media ran with these allegations because these were on, like, the crazier spectrum. So they went from totally, not even mundane, but I would say something that would be expected for a two-year-old to say, which we, with, you know, sexual abuse. And all the way up to this. And I can see a kid not understanding what's going on and probably saying weird stuff like this, just trying to get their point across. So... Like I said, the media saw this, they jumped on this, and they attacked. They attacked the children. They attacked Judy, the woman who first reported the allegations, to the point of calling her schizophrenic, an alcoholic, just harping on the fact, or not even the fact, just harping saying she had mental problems, which was never true. It was just repeated so many times that to this day, it is taken as the truth. Judy ends up dying before she can even testify in the case. And I believe it was a day she was due to testify. Well, actually, the day before she was due to testify, she calls the detective saying she's just too nervous. She's a nervous wreck. She can't do it. She's terrified these people are going to come and try to get retribution. And the detective tries to assure her that they will protect her. So the next day rolls around and they actually find her dead on her kitchen floor. And her liver had given out because she was drinking so much alcohol. 
And prior to all this, she never even drank alcohol because she was allergic to it. The fucking allegations in the news, her poor child being abused, her ex-husband attacking her, it was just all too much. And no doctors, no one ever tried to help her. And this poor woman was just trying to take it all on alone and she couldn't do it. So here's like one of a more, it's one of the accusations, but it's a little bit more detailed. And let me tell you, it's out there, but this is what the kid said. Billy, quote unquote, Billy, describes having communion in a church. A prayer similar in sound to the Lord's prayer was recited. A goat climbed up higher, higher, higher. Then a bad man threw it down the stairs. It woke up later. Ray poked Peggy at the altar. There was lots of candles. They were black. Ray picked up his right pointer finger and it bled. Ray put it in the goat's anus. Nobody had clothes on under the robes. Billy had a robe on too. They put a band-aid on his finger. Old grandma played on the piano. Lots of threats were made against Billy and his family. It's unclear whether it was a doll or a real baby. Billy says real. But the head was chopped off and the brains were burned. Billy said Peggy is the one that killed the baby. Peggy had scissors in the church and she said she cut Billy's hair. Billy had to drink the baby's blood. Ray wanted Billy's spit. He put it on the altar. The baby was big, like Billy. It screamed. When Billy's bottom was bleeding, Ray put a tampon in his bottom to stop the bleeding. He then took it out. The red circled people in this ad, referring to a newspaper ad for a local health club, all seem familiar to Billy. He says the three women are witches. The man poked them. Peggy, Babs, and Betty, that's the preschool owner and two teachers, dressed up as witches too. The person who buried Billy is Miss Betty. There were no holes in the coffin. Babs went with him on a train with another girl where he was hurt by men in suits. Ray waved goodbye. The train moved fast. It had lights. Ray took him back to school. Possibly location of organization Big Brothers. Peggy gave Billy an enema before it was taken away. Staples were put in Billy's ears, nipples, and tongue. Babs put scissors in his eyes. She hit him a lot. She chopped up animals and said she would come in the night and take him away. She pushed his stomach and threw him against a wall. He has extreme fear regarding Babs. Also, something awful would come to the window. Ray made small babies cry. Billy was hurt by a lion. An elephant played with the lion, squirted water. Then the lion didn't move. Billy was on his back. Ray let him pull the lion's tail. The lion roared but didn't move. Betty was there and other people. And he says people were taking pictures during all of this. And okay, I get it. It's fucking far out there and it's crazy sounding. But it's like, how does a little kid come up with all of that? And there's, there's other stories like that, guys. If you look, there's all kinds of these stories. And what I'm kind of doing is in all of these statements, the children seem to have like reoccurring themes, reoccurring incidents that they all seem to experience. So I just, fuck man, it's crazy. 
And keep in mind, Ray did spend five years in jail because he went through two trials and both trials, the juries were hung. They just, they could not agree. Some were dead set that he was guilty and the others just couldn't believe what these kids were saying. In 1991, so after all of the trials had ended, three McMartin defendants, Virginia McMartin, Peggy McMartin, Bucky, and Peggy and Bucky, filed a defamation suit against one of the parents who had stated on TV that they committed satanic sex crimes against the children. The women ultimately won the case, but check this out. The judge only awarded them $1 a piece in damages. So what does that tell you? To me, it's like this judge believed these children, but the prosecutor just fucked up in the case. And I can't believe that the prosecutor fucked up to a degree that most of these jurors thought these children went through this abuse, but couldn't prove it in two trials. It's just like, are you purposely fucking this up? What is going on, guy? Now, because this case is so intricate and there's so many witnesses with the children and the parents, I'm going to have to do a part two bonus episode that'll be out Thursday um, because I haven't even gotten to the parts that 100% convinced me that these children were telling the truth. So on Thursday, we'll get to the tunnels, one of the most disputed aspects of this case. And I'll tell you why I believe the tunnels were there. And it might just blow your mind because that was just literally what did it for me. And I'll have some more witness statements for you next time. And I'll also go over how there was a uh, misconduct by the lawyers involved in it. And I don't know, I'm going to start naming names in the media that in my opinion, were just 100% out of fucking line to be attacking sexual abuse victims and their families. So check back Thursday and we'll get a little bit deeper into the satanic panic. All right, guys, in the meantime, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Cha-chao.